Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to the weekly show of What is School for? My name is I. I'm the CEO of Classroom Without Wars and the host of this weekly live streaming show. You can also listen to us on the traditional audio only podcast. Just search What is School for? On this show, I interview entrepreneurs, business leaders, teachers, education professionals, parents, and students to come here to discuss, debate, and disrupt education with us. Today, I'm really honored to have Jason Frick on the show to talk about his journey to become a very successful entrepreneur. And specifically, we are going to discuss one of my favorite topics, which is the role of formal education in entrepreneurship. Jason started his, uh, created his very first business card when he was only in middle school, when most people are still trying to figure out their life. And he sold his very first business uh, after he graduated from college, which is really impressive. And he's an entrepreneur by heart. And um, and right now, nowadays, he owns, he's the president at Better Way Dry Cleaning and owns multiple businesses and sold businesses. So we all have a lot to learn from him. And I'm excited to dive into his journey and his success and specifically talking about education. And as always, a big shout out to StreamYard for being a sponsor of Classroom Without Wars. Over the last four years, I have tried pretty much all the third party tools to go live on social media. StreamYard is my favorite. It is super easy to use. In the comment section, there is a link uh, for you to check out StreamYard for free for two weeks. Check it out and let me know if you have any questions. We're live on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch. If you are live with us right now, let me know in the comment section uh, where you guys are joining us live from. I see my friend Alice. Thank you for joining us live. So without any further ado, Jason, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, of course. I love stories like yours. I love interacting and chatting with and learning from uh, entrepreneurs like you. So let's uh, kick off today's uh, discussion. You and I, we actually connected through uh, our dear mutual friend, Julia McCoy. We wrote this book. Wow. And uh, so you, um, so on Julia's post, well, her Facebook post, and you shared your educational journey. I was like, oh my God, this guy is amazing. I have to talk to him. So you shared with us that you spent seven years going to three different schools and acquired like three different majors and only to discover and all those degrees and majors didn't really offer that much value. So I think that is a, a, a great way to kick off today's discussion. So if you don't mind, I'd love to dive into that journey, your educational story. So why seven years? Why three different schools? And why three different majors? This is quite uncommon. Well, I think a lot of it goes back to, I, I knew I was gonna go to college. It was a, sort of an expectation uh, growing up, but you know, it, it really, I. I think the failure of the system was I didn't really know what I was getting into going into college. It was just, you're supposed to show up, you're supposed to sign up for classes. And, you know, really my goal was to go and play football. 
Um, it wasn't about education necessarily, um, but I was just there trying to figure out, well, what is my path? What is my major supposed to be? And, and, I, and I really wasn't sure I had different interests from computer science to uh, business management, math, um, you know, but I, I got invited to go play football at a, at a small private Christian university, um, which, which, you know, really suited me well for what I was starting to do. But it, um, I didn't realize really what I was getting into in the, in the moment. And so there wasn't a direct path in terms of what classes I was supposed to be mm-hmm. taking. And so I started as a computer science major and then quickly uh, realized after two semesters that uh, computer science wasn't exactly what I wanted to get into. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, well, I'm really good at math. So uh, maybe I want to get into business. And so I, I started getting into accounting and doing different accounting degrees. And I realized, well, this is a lot like computer science. I'm just sitting behind a desk and doing numbers and staring at spreadsheets and computer screens <laughs> and, and uh, realized I didn't necessarily enjoy that either. And, and the counselors just were not a lot of help. And then you know, long story short, I ended up getting hurt playing football. And, and so I decided, well, this isn't necessarily the school for me. So I left that school. And then I realized that after five semesters of private college schooling, that it's not really easy to transfer to a public state school. And mm-hmm. to my frustration, I realized that over half of the credits, including a 27 credit hour minor in Spanish studies, was not going to transfer into a public state school. And so forced me to go back to uh, community college actually and retake the, a big portion of my freshman and sophomore level classes. I clepped out of every class that they would allow me to. I maxed out my CLEP credits. Uh, the final class that I was actually clepping out of was a uh, how to use Microsoft Office class basically <laughs> and literally passed that test uh, with with one, it, it tested your number of clicks that you use to do different functions inside of Microsoft Office. And I literally passed that on the last click. Uh, I was one click away from having to take a whole another three credit hour class. And then I got through that and then uh, decided I was going to take night school because I'd already started a company. And so mm-hmm. I ended up then transferring over to Texas State University at their Round Rock campus. And uh, the only major they offered at the time was business management, aside from education and nursing. Um, so I decided to go down that business path. But at the end of it, I ended up with over 170 credit hours, three different majors that I had declared for, a Spanish studies minor, all to get a 100, and, uh, I believe it was 140 hour business management major Um and like you mentioned, I, I already had a company and, and, you know, to this day, I've never pulled that degree out of the package that I, I got it from other than I think to take one picture of it. It doesn't even hang on the wall. And, and it just feel, felt like it was a lot of time and money. And, you know, here we are. Wow. Like what, what an incredible journey and incredible story. And I, there's so much I want to unpack. And I love uh, what Dan, uh, thank you for joining us live on LinkedIn. And he caught this, which you mentioned also caught my attention. You know, you, you didn't know what you were getting yourself into, uh, supposed to take classes. So I want to go a little bit deeper because, you know, you went to school quite a few years ago. And even today, I still hear the same thing from like I work with students, from college students 
or even high school students, they don't know what they want to do. They don't know why they are taking those classes. They are taking those classes because they are supposed to, but beyond that, they didn't really know why. So in retrospect, so why do you think people like you and so many other children even nowadays are struggling so much to, to try to figure out, you know, what classes should I take? What I'm like, what am I getting myself into? So why, what do you think is the reason for that? Well, I, you know, my neither of my parents graduated from college. Um, you know, there's the college wasn't a, a big part of my family. I come from a very blue collar family. But, you know, we all knew, you know, I grew up in the in the Dell computers explosion era, especially mm -hmm. being here from Austin. We followed Michael Dell. And, you know, mm -hmm. there's a college dropout that created this massive company and that was super successful. But we were all still just pushed to go to college, really, for mm -hmm. no reason other than you're just supposed mm -hmm. to go to college. That's that's how you become successful. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that was the narrative is if you go to college, you're going to be successful. And I think so many people from my generation were just pushed to go to college, really, with no intention of what are you going to do with this degree? You know, mm -hmm. people, you know, saw that, OK, let's go get a fine arts degree or let's go get a history degree or it was just kind of whatever you're interested in doing, get a degree and then you'll make money with that degree. Uh, mm -hmm. But we were never sat down with counseling to decide, well, what are you going to do with this degree? Like, mm -hmm. what career path does this get you? What is the return on the investment of spending one hundred thousand dollars or more to go to school? Mm -hmm. um, you know, thankfully, I had a uh, academic, you know, majority academic scholarship. But the school I was going to and this is, you know, over 15 years ago was more than twenty five thousand dollars per semester mm -hmm. to attend that university. Um, mm -hmm. And with no idea of, of where you're going to, to take that degree, what it's going to do for you. Um, you know, a lot of the people I was going to school with were going there for, for theology, which is, you know, an admirable uh, thing to, you know, path to lead in life. But you, you also have to understand the economics behind this. And I think that's where in high school we learned, uh, you know, we took different economics classes and different history classes, but we never learned how to do our taxes. We never learned how to you know, invest into the stock market. We never learned how to use real world economic skills. And so we just put ourselves into debt without really having a purpose or a direction of where we wanted to go. And it's so difficult for a 17 or 18 year old to figure out what do I want to do with life? You know, you've just kind of been shuffled through this system for so long, especially if you have parents that didn't go to college that can't really give you a lot of direction. Mm -hmm. um, just this stigma, just go to college because you're supposed to, and then you're going to somehow get rich just because you went to college. You know, it's just a fallacy for a lot of people. Yeah, it's, it is so profound. I mean, you went to school, you, you mentioned 15 years ago, and I, I hate to say this, but I feel like not much has changed since you graduated from college. It is still this, you know, still so many parents I talk to, they don't even question this, you know, is college the right path for my own children? The people just blindly follow this, right? As you mentioned, you know, go to school, high school, college, graduate and make lots of money. And I love this point uh, from Alice, who is a great educator herself, you know, higher education has to really do better to help guide our students to navigate through life. And the story you shared, it's just so common, like 15 years later among today's, I think they are even more lost 
that when you are a student with so much so much information available so knowing what you know i'm curious if you could have redesigned this entire educational journey what would you do differently i think a lot of this starts you know into junior and senior levels of of high school and understanding mm -hmm. do you have a direct career path mm -hmm. you know i think if if you're passionate about becoming a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer um, or one of these very specific professions that obviously requires higher education, uh, there are degrees, there is a, an educational fortitude that's necessary to be a lawyer, for example, or a surgeon, for example. There is a rigorous path that you must go through to be you know, qualified mm -hmm. uh, to operate in, in that career field. Um, if you really have no idea what you want to do in life or what your career needs to be, I, I don't know that just pushing yourself into college without having an understanding of what the options are uh, really doesn't make any sense. And, and I think getting to more practical application of, of education, even in just high school, can help people start to learn. You know, the reason why I originally uh, decided to be a computer science major as my first major in college was because I took a computer programming class mm -hmm. in high school that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And so I think some more of those sort of uh, real world application classes that give you an insight, you know, I know there's some college dual credit type of classes available to high school students these days, but, you know, really understanding what does it mean if I want to be an accountant, if I want to be a, uh, if I want to work at a museum, if I want to be, you know, these different career paths, what does that actually mean for me? And thinking through, is this a passion project? Is this a, a you know, economically wise decision? You know, there, there are different paths. And I think some of that then leads to, well, how do you define success? You know, mm -hmm. I think for so many of us, success was, well, just making a lot of money. Well, I think if you talk to any quote unquote successful person that's made good amounts of money, they'll redefine success as doing what you love, having the freedom of time. Uh, what does your work life balance look like? I think that is the new age definition of success. It's not becoming a millionaire. Um, it's, you know, getting to do what you want to do with your life. To me, that's not being beholden to a time clock, not being beholden to a career path that you don't enjoy. And so I think just taking a deep dive discovery into that. And, and if you don't know the answer to that, it's okay, but maybe mm -hmm. take some time to go get a job or to, to try different career fields, you know, go get an internship at mm -hmm. what you want to do. Go get an apprenticeship at where you want to go. Um, you know, I did a lot of different labor type of jobs in high school, mm -hmm. being plumbers to swimming pool repair, um, cutting grass. I mean, mm -hmm. I did a lot of those type of manual labor jobs. And not only did it give me skill sets to fall back on that I still use to this day, it helped me to understand what those, those different career paths might look like. Um, and I think that's where as parents and as educators, you know, we need to do a better job of preparing our children and our, and our peers for what are you getting into when you decide to make that college career path? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I so, so agree to see the options. Right. And I, I truly believe 
like uh, 20% of a person's success comes from only classroom-based learning and 80% actually happens outside the classroom. I love those options, you know, like shadowing, learning from practitioners, internships. And would you also agree with me? I think the reason that people feel like a little bit lost is also to some extent due to uh, a lack of understanding of who they are, like their own like values, their own strengths. Was that the case uh, in your situation as well? I think we way underappreciate the maturity that we still go through into our early mm-hmm. and late twenties. You know, we're still evolving as, as humans, you know, well beyond high school. And so I can absolutely mm-hmm. tell you that, um, you know, I didn't really discover who I was or what I wanted to be. I mean, I'm still just doing that in my my mid to late 30s now. But, you know, I think there's so much self-discovery to be made in your early 20s and trying to expect a 18 or 19 year old to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their life or, or try to figure that out. It, it just is is an impossible task unless somebody just grows up with just a passion for wanting to do that. But even in that circumstance, I can't tell you the number of, of nurses, teachers, you know, elementary education people that went through college, got into their degree field, and within a, the first year or two of actually being in that professional setting, learned that they hated it. They, oh they really didn't like the job. And it's like, well, now I've devoted five or six years of my life into doing this and I don't want to do this anymore. You know, it's like, that's just so disheartening when somebody is so passionate about something in their mind. And then by the time they actually get through the education and get into the real world application of it, they realize this isn't at all what I thought I was getting into, or I just really don't, I'm not passionate about it anymore. And then what's next? This is so, that's why I love, it is so common. I personally have interviewed so many people after, you know, so many years, like, like, especially going to medical school to like the law exam, the bar exam, becoming a lawyer, only to discover that they absolutely hated it. And even like when I think about my own life, if, if it were not for my parents being you know, Asian Americans, uh, in my case, I definitely would not get a PhD. I would probably start doing business. I love entrepreneurship so much, starting on this journey a lot earlier. So it is it is so absolutely true. But like for those kids, uh, people like Pooja, uh, thank you for joining us live. It's a young student, 18 years old, based in India. Like, so what advice do you have for the younger generation trying to figure this out? What do I want to do? Clearly, it's very hard for them to discover that through a few classes here and there. So what are some, I mean, you already mentioned, right, internships, like something else you want to add to help young people like her to kind of figure out, you know, what I what I want to do, what, I'm, what is something that I'm good at, that alignment, you know, between a career path and who they are. I think it goes back to defining what is success going to mean to you? Mm-hmm. Um, do you, and is it, is it your success or is it your parents' success? Mm-hmm. You know, I think so many of us, um, and you mentioned the Asian culture, especially, you know, are just pushed by parents um, to go be successful, go be a doctor, go be a lawyer, go, you know, be in, get your PhD, whatever the case may be. And, and so don't be blinded by what your parents' vision for you is. You know, this is, 
your life, um, you know, you need to figure out what the best case scenario is for you. Um, the same time, I've I've tried to live my life in a way, and I've not always been successful in this, but you know, do not burn any bridges, including mm -hmm. your parents. You know, even if you have a different path than they might see for you, don't be, you know, don't be so brazen to just burn those bridges and, and you will come to regret those decisions at some point down the road, more than likely. Um, but when you think about it, you know, think about your personal economics, you know, how mm -hmm. much do you need to make to be successful in your own eyes? Mm -hmm. And does that mean living the lifestyle that you want to live? Does that mean living a philanthropic life? Does that mean working for a charity? Does that mean wanting to solve world hunger? Does that mean wanting to be, you know, the next Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, the next billionaire entrepreneur? Um, mm -hmm. You know, we all have, an, and I think that to me will start to decide, you know, what do I really want to do in life? And if being a multimillionaire does, is, is not your definition of success, then don't go down that, you know, trajectory. Um, mm -hmm. Go explore, go travel. You know, it, it wasn't until I left the continental United States and really started to see the outside world with my own eyes, mm -hmm. you know, eat that food, talk to the native people of, of, of different countries that I started to realize, you know, how blind so many of us Americans really can be to the blessings that we have mm -hmm. in our own country that we were just naively born into um, the number of things that we take for granted. And, but we're also just inundated with all of these, you know, billionaire entrepreneur success stories. And we just think that we want to be that person. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned a little bit ago, if you talk to any person that's made millions or billions of dollars, they all say, well, I wish I could have some of that time back. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, nobody dies on their deathbed as a billionaire thinking, oh, I should have worked a little bit more. I should have just made more money. You know, it's but at the same time, there's a balance between doing something just as a passion project, but not being able to even pay your own bills and, mm -hmm. and, and live a, a meaningful life in that way. And so there's there's balance there between the economics of life and doing just what you really passionately love to do. Yeah, I love this. And I love the idea of traveling and uh, we, like I traveled so much. I was born in China, came to the U.S. when I was really young. And it's like that, that traveling, you know, like leaving your routine of familiar life to enter an unfamiliar environment. It is such a great way to like uh, to wake up, right? To, to poke our heart a little bit, to see the differences, to stop the pattern and to like, to see our environment in a different way and to rediscover who we are. So I, I definitely agree. And even nowadays for young people, I feel like even if we couldn't travel because of this pandemic, we can at least, you know, people can host a podcast, can start a show, can talk to people like you. I think it is a great way for them to connect with future professionals that they feel like they are interested in pursuing and to see that, oh, wow, based on what they share, is this something that I really want to do? Or like, I, I, I have no interest in doing that. I think 
doing things like that can also help them. So I want to uh, go back a little bit more to your journey. And you mentioned already earlier that you started a business and also sold that business while you were in, in college. So can you share with us what is that business about? And what inspired you to, it's not very common. I feel like even nowadays, it's not that common for a college age student to start a business. So what inspired you to start a business when you were so young? And what is that business about? So I think it really goes back to the my, my middle school story. Um, you know, me and, and my, my brother and a couple of my friends, we mm -hmm. started a business called Anything for a Buck. It was AFAB. Um, primarily we did, you know, lawn care, landscaping. We literally took our parents' lawnmowers out of the garage and pushed them around the neighborhood and cut grass and, and, uh, bag trash mm -hmm. and, you know, literally anything for a buck that any, anything that somebody would pay us to do, we were, we were happy to do. And I remember riding my bike, uh, down to the local print shop that I could ride my bike to and, and literally had business cards made up that had my, the phone number for my parents' house on it. Uh, obviously, this is well before the internet or cell phones, um, or at least mainstream cell phones. And you know that was that was how we made money. You know, my father worked for the for the school district, and you know put me in the best schools that uh, he could put me in. He he knew which ones had the highest you know educational ratings and the least amount of you know crime, and you know really tried to to set me up for success. You know, what that also did is it surrounded me with a lot of people that had, you know, families that had more disposable income. Mm -hmm. We were maybe not the, the poorest family in the school, but mm -hmm. we, you know, all of my friends, I'll just say, had nicer clothing, had nicer bicycles, better video games, you know, than I did. And, and my parents were honest with our situation. And, you know, I realized that if I wanted to have that cool bicycle like my friend did, my path to getting that was to go make my own money. You know, wow. my, my parents provided a bicycle, but if I wanted that $300 bicycle, you know, I, I needed to do that. And my, my dad said, you know, the lawnmower's in the garage. If you go knock on the neighbor's door, I bet I'll give you 20 bucks to mow his grass. And lo and behold, I learned how to do door-to-door -door sales as a 12 year old, um, knocking on people's doors and selling myself. Um, mm. and, and the lessons that that taught and, and I'll still remember the first big payday we had, we, uh, threw ourselves a pizza party. My dad was so disappointed. He said, like, you just went and made all this money and then you just wasted it on food. Now it's all gone. And, and it was like, you know, you're right. You know, we did work all day and then we kind of just spent it all on pizza and ice cream and Cokes. And, and, you know, it, 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 it was just an early lesson in economics and, you know, but from that experience, I realized that there was no limits to, you know, if I was willing to work hard, how much money mm -hmm. that I could make. You know, I realized mm -hmm. that I could trade my time and my labor for dollars. Mm -hmm. And so my, my early days was, was, you know, doing labor tasks and, and figuring that out. It, 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 you know, I learned how to work hard, um, you know, but Honestly, I got a, a job. I did get a paycheck job when I was in high school uh, because I didn't, you know, I was playing football and, and I just didn't have the time, you know, to keep up with some of those things. I got a job at a pool store just selling chemicals, testing people's water. You know, I learned that mm -hmm. trade, uh, you know, making six dollars and 50 cents an hour, I want to say uh, at the time. 
And, you know, I worked there through high school and in a little bit of, of college on the weekends and in the summers when I could. Um, but after I left Texas Lutheran and, and I went back to Austin and was taking community college, you know, I, I, the only jobs I could find were making 10 or $11 an hour. And I just mm-hmm. said, you know, it's just not going to, it's just not going to cut it. You know, I, and I realized I had this skill set from, from back when I was doing landscaping, when I was doing pool stuff. And, you know, I teamed up with another guy and, and we started a pool company and mm-hmm. we were just doing pool cleaning, pool maintenance, a little bit of repairs here and there, you know, but we only did that for one summer and, and we just didn't get along. And I left that company and in 2006, uh, uh, actually on my grandfather's birthday, and I didn't even intend it that way, founded uh, my first solo company, um, Aquatech Pool Service, and um, started that with literally nothing but a, a truck and a, and a, you know, a couple of tools and, and some business cards. And I went and begged the manager of the pool store I used to work at if he would hand them out and you know, just started with one phone call at a time. And fast forward to 2010, I was ready to graduate from college. I had met my now wife and uh, she was going to be moving back home. And, you know, I really didn't want to, to end that relationship. And she said, well, I'm, I'm moving home with you or without you. Uh, we were just dating at the time. So, um, you know, I just decided my life was ready for a reset at that moment. And, um I met with a business broker and he said, you know, you, your business is you could sell this business and make some money. And I just you know, I never even thought about that being a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I listed the business through a through a national broker. And within 60 days, I, I had an offer and, you know, I ended up closing that deal. And, and at 20, I believe I was 24 years old at the time. Um, sold that company. So I, I graduated in May of 2010, sold that company in June of 2010. And by October, I was living in a new city. And by December, I was engaged. Um, and so it was just kind of a, a big reset. But, you know, I, I think the the years of just, you know, I never really took a paycheck. All all the investments went back into the business and just mm-hmm. to for, you know, my, my lifestyle and to buy tools and pay rent and food and at that point, I, you know, the little bit of college fund that I had was eaten up. And so I was literally paying for college by the semester, writing mm-hmm. checks to school, you know. And so mm-hmm. that business was was my livelihood and, and was also helping me. I, I took enough whatever hours that I could pay for. I decided I didn't want to be in any more debt. Whatever hours I could afford, those were the number of college hours that I took. And I worked all day. I took night classes and then. My payday was um, after I graduated, I was able to sell the company. Wow, that is, I'm, I'm so in, like, wow, captionate, uh, captionated by your story. What an incredible story. So I want to go back a little bit. So when you were, I also, I love the name. Anything, uh, AFAB, right? Yeah, yeah I, I was like, wow, what a creative name. So like at that age, right now, like I work with uh, kids at that age and many, many children, like even college age students are so shy. And I, I think one skill that we all need to develop is like, like talking to strangers, selling yourself. I think it's such an important skill. And like when you were doing that, did you get any training? You know, back then the internet was not there. You couldn't watch YouTube videos. 
So where did you even learn that skill? Like, were you scared when you were knocking on the door? What, what was going on in your head? Like, did you have to kind of hype yourself up to go to do this? Because it's not common, right? It's not common. So like, yeah. how did you, what is it in you that makes this possible? I think that's quite admirable what you were doing at such a young age. You know, and, and I certainly had the help of of my brother and, and some of my friends. We sort of, we all, we none of us wanted to knock on the door. We all took turns, you know, okay, well, you mm -hmm. did it last time. I'm going to do it this time. And, you know, we kind of figured out, well, who's the better salesman? Who's landing, you mm -hmm. know, the, the higher number of jobs? You know, the rest of us, you know, there's three or four of us, depending on the day. But, you know, the rest of us would stand back in the yard and one person would go knock on the door and, and try to sell the service. But, you know, I think a lot of it was just in the beginning out of desperation. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think if you want something bad enough, you're willing to overcome that fear. And mm -hmm. we got a lot of no's, you know, a lot of people of, you know, why are you knocking on my door? And this is before, you know, video doorbells and all of these other things. You know, you're just knocking on a stranger's door. That's, you know, maybe not something that parents would recommend their their, you know, middle school age children to do, uh, you know, but we lived in a good neighborhood and, and it was relatively safe, um, you know, but I think it was just when you get that first yes, and then you get that first $20 bill um, mm -hmm. and you realize, okay, if, even if I get a no, you know, that's kind of worst case scenario, but if I get a yes and I, and I keep starting to stack up these $20 bills, mm -hmm. um, it makes it that much easier. And I think mm -hmm. it's just kind of overcoming our own fear, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, today, I don't necessarily like just engaging in, in conversation with strangers or having small talk. You know, it's one of the things that my uh, close friends and family kind of kind of bug me about is they know that I, I've learned to become a, a public speaker and, you know, I'll, I'll stand on a stage in front of a thousand people and I'm honestly more comfortable doing that than talking to a one person one on one trying to make small talk. It's just something that I, I don't I don't love to do. I think you just learn to overcome those things. But I think you're right. Too many of us are controlled by that fear, mm -hmm. and it just allows you to to hold yourself back. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of I'll, I'll butcher the quote. You know, but but one of my favorite quotes is, you know, basically something along the lines of everything you've ever wanted is just on the other side of fear. And I just, you know, that's just kind of my mantra is like, I don't want to do this. And, you know, it kind of just goes back to eating the frog in the morning. Just do that one thing that you just despise doing first thing in the morning to get it away, get it out of the way. And then you just realize, wow, that really wasn't so bad. Um, and, and, you know, if you start your day like that, it just makes everything else seem a little bit easier. Yeah. Well, I love this quote myself. Everything you want. I actually just shared this with my student a few days ago. Everything we want is on the opposite of fear. And speaking of which, and I love how you are so courageous, how you are so fearless. And to be honest with you, Jason, everyone watching us live and just like listening to people to say no to me, it took me quite some time after I started my business to to be okay with that, to like, you know, you like we are calling people, people are constantly saying no to you and to be okay with that. So I really admire you at such a, like such a young age, just be 
just like so so courageous and i love this comment uh from uh from alice you know like you, you took lots of risks and uh nowadays you know she's an educator i said i am an educator and we see this in students all the time they are so so afraid to fail not even like feeling a business now i'm not even talking about talking to strangers just like a very safe learning in a very safe learning environment trying out a new idea and sharing their honest opinions they're so afraid to say something that will make the teacher upset or they're so afraid to lose a point but i think this cultivating this ability to take risks to embrace and to celebrate failures it is absolutely missing in education and um and we, we really need to help cultivate our kids to do that you know outside the traditional learning environment yeah, I'm, I'm afraid that, you know, with with technology and, and video games and just social media and and all of the distractions, it's so easy to to either lose or never develop those interpersonal skills. Um, some of the most successful people that I've ever met, you know, frankly, were just really good at talking to people, mm -hmm. uh, getting out there and just learning to have honest conversations with people. We don't realize that that's actually a skill and that's something mm -hmm. that practiced and developed. And, you know, just it, I'm afraid if we don't continue to just really push interpersonal communication, mm -hmm. you know, being honest with people, putting ourselves out there. I think by, by human nature, you know, we fear change. You know, often people's immediate answer is just no to almost mm -hmm. anything. Uh, it's very easy to just say no. There's very little risk in saying no um, because it, it typically just means that you're going to continue with how things were yesterday. That's uh, right. When you say yes, you've put yourself into a position of that's a catalyst of change. And mm -hmm. humans don't like change. And mm -hmm. therefore, we condition ourselves to just say no. Other people are conditioned to just say no. And that's why it's so hard sometimes to get a yes out of somebody else. And even teachers and other professionals don't like to be questioned. Um, mm -hmm. You're the professional, you're the, you know, you're the master of this information. And to have, you know, uh, somebody, maybe not beneath you, but, but somebody that does not meet your credentials, ask you why or question mm -hmm. it can be, uh, people can can get really frustrated with that. And, you know, but uh, Simon Sinek just had a, a, a quote that he had on LinkedIn, I believe yesterday, that just said, you know, don't be afraid to be the idiot in the room. Don't be afraid to ask why, you know, don't be, if you don't understand something, don't just agree and nod your head and say, yes, you know, ask them to re-explain something, ask them to, to go into detail, say, I, I'm sorry, I just don't understand that. Can you please help me to understand that? And I think so often we're even just afraid to ask for help or just to say, I don't understand. Can you can you please say that in a different way? Um, you know, and, and, and that's I just think is so critical to not be afraid to say that I don't know how to do that or mm -hmm. I don't understand that. Please help me. And mm -hmm. that alone can get you so far in life. 
Oh, I love that. Don't be, uh, don't be afraid to be the idiot in the room. And I think as leaders, you know, organization leaders, parents and teachers, we need to nurture and foster such an environment where questions, you know, no stupid questions and to really encourage our student to ask, even at home, you know, ask those questions without feeling like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. Why I'm the only person who is asking this question. I, I love this quote uh, from Edward. Uh, thank you for not quote this comment. Thank you for joining us live. And he talked about, you know, the, like the sales skills that you have, which is remarkable. And I think when you think about life, a persuasive communication, selling yourself, it is such a fundamental skill on a day-to-day -day basis, right? And now I run my business, I'm constantly selling to strangers. This this is the only thing, I, one of the many things that I wish I practiced a lot more before I started my business, which was talking to people, selling to people who don't really know me yet to cultivate that communication, that interpersonal skills. Uh, I think this is so, so, so important. And very few kids, very few students are actually learning this. Only people who are in marketing, probably they're learning, taking a few sales, selling classes, but most students in other disciplines, they don't take such classes. But do you think this is a very fundamental skill contributing to your success today, uh, Jason? A hundred percent. I mean, if you think mm -hmm. about it, you know, what is the first thing you have to do to, to get any job. You go through an interview process. Yeah. You could be the greatest engineer in the world. You could be the greatest computer programmer in the world. If you can't sell yourself to a company, if you don't have the, you know, the work history, um, you have to be able to go through an interview. If you can't get through an interview and convince a company that, you know, not only am I a great engineer, a great programmer, a great you know, whatever it might be. Obviously, if you're a great salesperson, you better be able to talk and, and sell yourself. But all of these other disciplines that are, you know, in, in math and sciences. And, and if you can't have a conversation with the people that are hiring you, you can't work as a team. You can't mm -hmm. communicate with your peers or with your colleagues. You can't fit into the culture of the company. If you own the company, if you don't know what it means to create a company culture, if you mm -hmm. are an employer and you don't understand how to communicate with your employees and build community culture, you know, I think to me, that's one of the biggest failures of, mm -hmm. of entrepreneurs is they they have great ideas and they, and they can build a great product, but they don't understand the psychology of being a, a leader, of being mm -hmm. a employer, you know, me being a man, I spent so many years being basically a retail manager for, for lack of a better terms. You should have a degree in psychology if you're going to be an employer. You know, mm -hmm. you have to understand the mindset of all of the people that you work with, that work for you. Eyes are constantly on you. Mm -hmm. Our entire lives, business and otherwise, revolves around communication. You know, you can't mm -hmm. be a solopreneur and get very far in life. You know, your time is only worth so much money as a team. We can build so much greater, you know, business wealth. You know, we can accomplish so many greater things. One person can't go solve world hunger. It takes a team, but if we can't communicate as a team, if you can't sell yourself, you can't go to investors and convince them 
why they should invest in your latest and greatest project. Absolutely. They don't trust you. You know, it all starts with communication, every bit of it. Absolutely. And it reminds me of the Adobe study that I shared on the show quite a few times. So they, they surveyed millions of, not millions, thousands of like college and colleges, universities, high schools in, in the United States, trying to discover what are the deciding factors for high school students to enroll in a good college. And to everyone's great surprise, it's actually not test scores. And the number one is actually interview skills. And number two is communication and creative problem solving. Number three is a sense of personality, authenticity. And all those are kind of what you have mentioned. And, and now I truly realize how important those skills are. And those skills definitely take time to cultivate. It's not like you take a class about Facebook ads and then tomorrow you can practice. But the softer skills definitely uh, take some take some time to cultivate. And when I speak to my business managers and, and I talk to them about interviewing, I remind them as often as I can, we can teach skills. I can teach anybody mm -hmm. to do just about anything if they're willing to learn. You cannot teach personality. You mm -hmm. cannot teach communication, just inherent. I mean, you can teach communication skills and tell them what to do, what not to do. But you can't teach somebody to look somebody in the eyes and, and speak to them clearly and professionally. And, and it's, it's that people are just are born with certain personality traits. And as retail managers, mm. we I can teach you how to run a cash register. Mm. I can't just teach you to be nice to every single person that walks in front of you. You know, mm. that's, an, that's an inherent skill that I think is just built inside of us. And people understand authenticity. You know, mm -hmm. I can tell somebody, hey, smile and say hello to every person that walks in the door. But if you just say, hi, welcome. No, hi, welcome. How are you doing today? You know, mm -hmm. that we have to have personality. If you don't have personality, the rest of it just doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I can't keep personality. And, and you know, if you, if you can't even fake personality, you're going to have a really tough road to getting to all those other things that you want to do in life. Oh, yeah, I so agree. And, you know, that personality and those like skills, it's, it's, it's very hard to be developed through a class or tool that you are taking it must be cultivated uh, in real life. So how about for you, Jason, from, you know, we, we were talking about graduate from college, you sold your business, which is like incredible to where you are today. Now, nowadays you run a very successful dry cleaning business. You have a team. So what are some of the major milestones like from that, you know, college graduate to where you are today, or maybe even you can share some, some key lessons that you have learned from this, the second part of your uh, entrepreneurial journey, you know, after you graduate from college to get to where you are today, what are some additional like soft or hard skills that you have developed along the way to help you run this company today? You know, the number one thing I'm going to, I would point to is I've been very blessed um, with, with a great wife, with a great partner. Mm. I've also been extremely blessed with great mentors. Mm. Um, having a mentor that mm. you can lean on, that you can learn from mm -hmm. is probably to me the number one greatest thing that you can do to be successful. Mm -hmm. um, you also need to look at, at 
you know, your life, your friends, um, you know, I truly believe you are the average of your five closest friends. I know that's something that's often discussed, but if, if your friends are not in a better position in life than you are, mm. you have nothing to aspire yourself to be, mm. you know, if your friends are holding you back, if your friends are not pushing you to be a more successful version of yourself, your spouse isn't doing that. If your coworkers aren't doing that, if they're pulling you back, then you need to find a new set of friends. And that might mean selling and leaving everything that you've ever known and moving, uh, you know, 500 miles away to basically mm -hmm. start over like I did. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there isn't, but, you know, the blessings that I've had from my mentors, I just, I cannot stress the importance of, of having successful people around you that can show you the path to doing that. And, you know, the other thing I always try to remind myself is every person in the world knows something about something that I do not. Mm -hmm. Nobody is a master of everything. Never dismiss anybody for an opportunity to learn something. Um, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be the barista at the coffee shop knows how to make a better cup of coffee than me. How do they put the swirly thing on there to make the design? I want to learn how to do that so I can make that cup of coffee for my wife one day. You know, mm -hmm. the the war veteran who is now homeless and is, is begging for money. That mm -hmm. guy has stories that can teach you a survival mm -hmm. skill. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody out there, do not dismiss the opportunity of a conversation. You know, I think we're just afraid to have conversations. We're too busy in life. We're, you know, this person can't possibly teach me how to do something. I'm better than them in every way. You know, it's mm -hmm. such a loser's mentality um, to mm -hmm. feel like you're superior than anybody else in the world. Um, I've just mm -hmm. always operated under the pretense that somebody can show me how to do something better than I know how to do it today. And I, you know, conversely, know a lot of way, know a lot of things that other people don't know. And we have to share that information. We have to be willing to, you know, teach other people real life, practical skills. You know, in business management, I see so many times that a, let's say a shift leader, you know, somebody that's in a slightly elevated position will not teach their subordinates how to do tasks out of fear that that subordinate is going to take their job one day. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it's just the, it's such the wrong way of, of thinking about it. We have to build everybody else up around us. You know, if everybody on your team, if you're a team leader and everybody on your team is as good as you are, how much easier is your job going to be? Mm -hmm. You know, how much more could you then accomplish at that same time? So, you know, harboring your own information and knowledge mm -hmm. is so detrimental and then not appreciating the knowledge that you can acquire from everybody else out there in the world. You know, those are the things that just have, in, in my opinion, have led to just continued success is just a continual seeking of information, you know, and that's where mm -hmm. I didn't learn very much in college other than just, I got through this, you know, to me, a college is a test to see if you can stick with something for four years or six years or seven years or 12 years, or it, it, to me, it's a test to see, can you start something 
and get to a finish line. That's right. That is, for the most part, what college serves for most people and, and why an employer might say, do you have a degree? And it really doesn't matter what the degree is, but it, what, one thing that it does prove is that you set out to do something and you finished it. Mm -hmm. So many of us start out to do something and then never get to the finish line. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so if you start doing something, finish it. Mm -hmm. if, if you don't have a mentor, find a mentor. If you can't find a mentor, you know, look at your friends, look at your friend group, your peer group. You know, you need to have successful people around you that you can learn from and continually be trying to help others around you to be better, better people at the same time. It's just we have to get along. We have to share information. It's it's such a vital life skill, you know, really to humanity at this point, in my opinion. That's right. My God, so many great points. And I, I, I love how you kind of summarize college. I know you share with me, but we didn't have time to discuss how you kind of gained the system, right? You didn't even own a book, but like were able to manage to get the A's and B's and maintain good scores and how that system is really, now as I think about, yeah, it is so true to test our ability to start something and finish something. And to be honest, like so many, so many professionals are pursuing a degree that have not pursuing a career that have nothing to do with their degree. So this is definitely not that direct career connection. I also love what you said that about, you know, finding like mentors and have that network. I think the problem with education is that students, they are so fixated on their immediate circle of friends, right? So they are not thinking outside the box to go to social media or to join online learning groups to like Facebook or LinkedIn groups to identify more successful people and to join that circle. They are more like confined by their friends, right? So I, I think uh, based on what uh, Alice said here, I, I think for students to, everything's changing so fast, for us to help the students is, like I think students need, young people need to understand, they don't only go to the classroom to learn, they, they don't only learn from the teachers, but they really need to expand their eyes, their vision to to realize why well, there are lots of people outside the classroom with, with, with Laura and have the agency to discover those people and bring them to their lives. So I, I just love everything you mentioned, you know, finding those mentors. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think it's, you know, we, we put so much pressure on educators to teach our kids or teach students how to be successful humans, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the reality is, is their job is to teach a particular class or to teach a book, you know, to provide a, you know, a knowledge based on curriculum. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not the teacher's job to make us to be better humans, to make us to be better professionals. Um, it's to teach, a, 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 like I said, to teach curriculum. Um, if we don't take it upon our own responsibility to go beyond the bare minimum. And to me, a college class, this is just the bare minimum that you need to do to get credit for this class. You know, mm -hmm. dive deeper, uh, look further into it. Don't expect an educator to solve all the problems in life. You know, it's your life, it's your responsibility. You know, nobody's gonna give you anything for free. You know, everything costs money to somebody. Um, time is money. You know, it's your responsibility to cultivate the life that you want 
Um, it's not college's responsibility to make you successful. You know, it's a tool. Like anything else, it's a tool. I can give anybody in the world a hammer. If they don't know what to do with it, what's the point? You know, it, it, it's your own responsibility to cultivate your own life and your future. I have that agency right now. It's just like waiting for the teacher to feed me, to teach me, to guide me, to give me a roadmap, step one, step two. And I so great. Teachers nowadays have like so much pressure on top of how little they get paid and how much work they have to do. And now they are they are responsible for raising a human being. I think that's way too much. I love how you mentioned like students, they need to take initiatives be proactive on this, you know, go to social media, practice digital networking to find those mentors, to join clubs, to earn internships, to develop, you know, outside the classroom. So we only have a few minutes left and I want to ask you a few quick questions. You are a dad, you have this a beautiful wife, a beautiful daughter. I love watching your family pictures. So knowing what you know today, you know, based on the experience you have, how, I know your daughter is still very young. So how do you think, you are going to be a dad, you know, how, what is your parenting approach going to be? You know, I, I think that I, I want, like all parents, we want our kids to be able to make their own decisions and, and figure out what is right in life. But at the same time, you are a protector, you're a provider, mm -hmm. you know, and I think, you know, we're all still trying to figure out what is the balance between providing them with everything they could possibly need in life, protecting them from all the dangers in the world, and at the same time, letting them make mistakes, letting them learn mm -hmm. lessons. Um, you know, they're going to touch the hot stove at some point. They're going. My daughter is not even two years old and has already been to the emergency room and had stitches in her hand. Um, <laughs> you know, so so you know, there's a failure right there on me as a parent. But it's like I think that's just the reality of life. You know, those mm -hmm. things happen. Uh, mistakes are going to happen. I think it's you you can't waste a mistake. You know, mm -hmm. did we learn a lesson? Did we change? Or are we just destined to repeat the same mistakes in life? Um, once you realize that nothing's going to be perfect and you're just going to figure it out one day at a time, at least make the most of it. You know, don't, don't waste a bad opportunity, you know, and, and, and make sure that it, you're at least educating you know, you're, you learned a lesson out of anything that you might have done. Mm. Um, you know, I hope that my daughter uh, wants to go to higher education. But at the same time, if she's passionate about doing something that's humanitarian, if she's passionate about getting into theology, if she's passionate about anything else, I would like to provide her with those opportunities mm. you know, to go do that. But I think it's a matter of, you know, exploring those things. But I also think learn a trade, learn a skill. You know, there's no reason that you have to go to college to quote unquote, be economically successful. Oh, yeah. you know, I've got friends that are, are welders that make over a hundred, a uh, hundred dollars an hour. You know, they're making six figures doing what's considered to be a, you know, a blue collar job. You know, you can be so successful by going to trade school or by, you know, learning uh online marketing you know you can learn almost anything on on the internet these days you know there's there's no reason to just blindly go through that you know higher education path unless you know you're really very passionate about being an engineer being a, a you know a surgeon 
being a lawyer, you know, th there are still career paths that obviously require that educational background to be successful in that in that career field. Um, but you can be just as successful economically as as, you know, not going to college as, as if you do. And then it goes back to defining success. What does that mean for you? Because at this point, success means living by your own timeline. Uh, having the freedom to travel, having the freedom to make your own schedule. That's to me what defines success at this point. Absolutely. And which is such a great way to circle back to what how we started the conversation on you know, defining success. And uh, I, I love like everything you mentioned. Like there it's just like so true. And like parents need to and students and edu even educators need to be critical about the role of formal education. It's not for everyone. There are definitely better alternatives. And even on this show, I have interviewed so many high school dropouts, college dropouts. They're all having a happy, fulfilling, very successful life. I think that people just need to be more open-minded. And uh, I also love this comment from Pooja, you know, talking about like, you were talking about digital marketing, Jason. There's so many digital skills. They're like content and marketing. You probably don't need a degree to do it. There are so many profitable careers. You can work remotely if you love traveling and still have a very good life and learn, connect with mentors. Yeah. And uh, so share with us, where can people learn more about you? Thank you so much for such an incredible conversation, spending one hour with us. And I'm definitely feeling so inspired by you. <laughs> Well, I just thank you. I appreciate you you having me on. You know, you can find me on on uh, Facebook and, and LinkedIn primarily, as as well as other social medias. But um, you know, I love connecting with other entrepreneurs. I love connecting with other business owners. I love connecting with you know younger students that are trying to find their their path. You know, I I just joined uh, an organization here in Austin, the Young Men's Business League, who mm. you know they're. Their passion project is to work with Austin Sunshine Camps to, you know, provide the opportunity for underprivileged youth to go to mm -hmm. summer camps to learn, um, you know, those a lot of the skills that we talked about, you know, to get away from video games, to get into the outdoors, learn survival skills, learn teamwork skills, mm -hmm. you know, and so, you know, that's where I see, you know, a lot of my path leading to is is really how do we help the next generation get off of social media, at least the unhealthy side of it? You know, mm -hmm. my social media really involves, you know, other than cute pictures of my family is is business groups, you know, mm -hmm. trade groups. You know, I think there's it's there's a very underappreciated side of, of Facebook that is just business networking. Um, you know, Facebook groups to me are, are just the value there. Is, is almost unmatched to be able to connect with people around the country, around the world, um, you know, and, and so that's where I like to share ideas. That's where I like to network with people and, and, you know, forget about all of the junk that kind of fills our social media feeds, you know, use social media for good mm. and, you know, be able to connect in that way. And like, let's take, let's take social media back and, mm. you know, find a way to, to really use it for good rather than just sharing so much just hate and nonsense and negativity and just, you know, time waste, basically, um, you know, it, there's there's so many good opportunities there. I, I just think we're missing 
the the big boat on on how we can use that to our own success as professionals. Amen. I can't agree more with you. I mean, I, I talk so much about social media. And you know what you're saying, Jason, is that allow we need to use social media to serve us instead of allowing social media to use us, which is the case for many young people today. There is so much uneducated fear because, like again, going back to the traditional educational system, I work with quite a few high schools right now. They don't, they know nothing. And many schools they completely ban social media. And the students just like they don't have role models, they don't have people like you to teach them how to actually learn more about the good aspect you know using social media for good they have no idea so they default to using social media for bad so but anyway which is another conversation so uh thank you so much for such an incredible interview everyone definitely connect with jason on different social media channels on linkedin and thank you so much everyone for joining us live from all over the globe i hope you enjoy this conversation and I look forward to seeing you again next Friday or Saturday, same time, same location. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Dr. Thank you.